Shalom, salam, namaste, greetings. Uh, this is Naeem Abdurafi. Welcome to Takes a Team to Raise a Child, TTRC. So I'm continuing today with um, uh, our um, uh, focus on money history. So today's show is titled Money History Part 3. And I'm reading from the unpublished manuscript of a biography uh, I've written titled A Tale of Ireland, the Story of Paul O'Brien. Paul O'Brien is a friend who passed from this life in 2012. And this is his, he's sharing here uh, with my help what he's learned about money. So I'll get right into it. I don't know how much We'll get done today, and um, I'll uh, stop soon enough to say a few words to tie things together uh, uh, concerning the the mission of takes a team to raise a child. Okay, let's let's going with go get uh, going with the history. So we're in chapter eleven. Uh, The title of that chapter is Taking a Bullet for a Banker. Paul says, My last day at St. Pat's was lengthy. Okay, Paul had had a nervous breakdown. Um, And uh, the St. Pat's he refers to is today known as um, St. Patrick's mental services, I believe. Um, At that time, it was St. Patrick's Hospital um, devoted solely uh, to um, people with uh, mental illness. So once I resigned myself to, to my fate, I spent my time reading. I read like information was water, and I was a man dying of thirst. Actually, I was a man dying of not knowing how the world works. My parents had taught me what they knew. It seemed they did. It seems they did not know the world was in the hands of klutz. The world works differently in those hands. So klutz is the name he gives to, or maybe it's the actual name of the representative of the. Uh, cruise line who came to him uh, with an offensive uh, monetary offer in compensation for the loss of his 15-year-old daughter who fell overboard from from, from, from a cruise ship, uh, having been uh, Ill, illegally uh, 
fed uh, lots of alcohol. Paul goes on. My grandfather, John Patrick O'Brien, fought under Britain in World War I. He and other brave Irish men were criticized for this. How could they fight for Britain when Britain was oppressing us? We see it claimed that some joined the war to sabotage the British military effort. This theory does not apply to my grandfather. He and others saw the common enemy as a greater threat to Ireland than Britain was. Britain could wait. The problem at the moment was the Hun. They risked their lives for principle, for a higher purpose. That purpose was to save the world. God saved them. And by what I now say, nothing is to be taken away from any son of Ireland who fought in that terrible war. My research suggests that those brave men were risking their lives not to save the, not to save the world. Without knowing it, they were risking taking a bullet for a banker. The war was really about saving the world banking system. As Ireland goes forward into its future, he's writing this around 2010. uh, As Ireland goes forward into its future, uh, from the straits we are in now, we must make sure our struggle is not one to save the world banking system. The bankers have done nothing for me. They have done nothing for you. They have done nothing for Ireland. They have done only for themselves. My title is not original. Taking a bullet for a banker comes from an article about the petrodollar, uh, the system instituted by America in the early 70s, by which the value of the American dollar is tied not to gold, but to the worldwide price of oil. No details here. I advise you to look into the concept, he says. The point of the article is what is relevant. It is that the American war on Iraq had nothing to do with WMDs or Saddam, the evil dictator, or terrorism. Saddam Hussein was proposing to step outside the petrodollar system by accepting euros or whatever for Iraqi oil and thus undermine the American dollar. This would have caused unimaginable distress in the United States and around the world, and more important, great losses to members of the banking inner circle. It could not be tolerated. Young Americans were called upon to risk their lives for freedom. The truth is that they were being asked to risk taking a bullet for a banker. In an earlier chapter, I talk about my doing the same thing. I tried to take a bullet for a banker. As my father watched my business and financial growth, he gave me a caution. He often repeated, keep your feet on the ground. I thought I understood. I constantly sought his advice and the advice of others experienced in terrains where I was setting foot as a newcomer. I always sought to be fair and just in my dealings. For example, I always factored in the well-being of my workers as I planned business changes. They had been loyal to me, so I must repay that loyalty. Justice and fairness 
was my way of staying grounded. Being just and fair should have worked. It didn't. There's nothing wrong with being just and fair in business. And of course, you don't expect everyone to, to operate according to such principles. I had a keen eye for those not to be trusted. But good principles and a keen eye are not enough when those with the power to do so undermine the earth beneath your feet. The earth I have seen undermined is the economic foundation of Ireland. It is difficult to be just in an unjust world. I have tried, and I almost failed in the worst possible way. I almost delivered the ultimate injustice to my family and myself. Thank God I did not succeed in my attempt in justice. He's talking about suicide. There's more than enough injustice in the world. The world does not need my contribution. I decided in St. Pat's that what I want to contribute is justice. I knew I needed knowledge. So I read Searching for the Truth. The one thing I really wanted to understand is how money works. In the late 80s, I was in the stock market a few years. I did great. I did great. One reason is that early on, I asked a broker to tell me what he thought was the greatest threat to successful investment in the stock market. He said war was that threat. When the Gulf War started, I pulled out of the market. That was the right move, but I did not know why. I did not understand money. I had made lots of it, but that was because I understood business. Business is about people. I understood and respected people. I respected them for what they were and what they were not. Some people are not to be trusted. I did not know that an untrustworthy person with knowledge of money could do great harm to many, to an entire nation, in fact. So I set out my uh, I, I set out to wrap my head around money. That was another problem. I had done that kind of thing before. At about the same time that I was in the stock market. I had a big problem with the revenue commissioners over the value-added tax, that. My accountant had done some stupid things that subjected me to an audit. I was blindsided with a tax arrears bill containing a really big number. I was in shock. I consulted my father. He advised me to face up to the matter and deal directly with the revenue commissioners. I should not involve a lawyer. I went in and offered an installment arrangement. It was, in, it was accepted. Then I set about becoming an expert on that. That enabled me to construct a parallel set of books for my business that I took with me to the revenue commissioners when it came time for a major installment payment. Armed with my parallel books and thorough knowledge of that, I succeeded in getting a new bill that made the whole experience considerably less traumatic. I also replaced my accountant. Knowledge is power. I want you to have that power, but I will not share the knowledge. That would make for tedious reading. If you want the knowledge and the power, you must get it yourself. I can get you started. 
I will tell you what I did and give you some of what I found. I've always been a lover of history. My focus, of course, was Irish history. I had to change my focus if I wanted to understand money. I looked at Britain, but I found the most interesting information uh, when looking at Britain led me to look at American history. Below, I share with you verbatim an annotated list of the 13 most significant economic upheavals, uh, economic upheaval events in American history. My source is this website. Uh, the the directory, directory where he found his information no longer exists. This is, this is now I am telling you commenting. But the website does exist. It's 247wallstreet.com. And uh, maybe you could go there and, and, and find, somehow find the article or, uh, you know, a redacted version of it. But the, the subject is the 13 worst recessions, depressions, and panics in American history. That's the subject. The 13 worst recessions, depressions, and panics in American history. Well, you might find, you might find this information somewhere else, but the, uh, the source cited in, in, um, in, in Paul's text, in Paul's manuscript, is 247wallstreet.com. <clears throat> okay, so the, the 13 worst recessions, depressions, and panics in American history. The list is an article composed by these contributors to that website. Michael B. Souter, S-A-U-T-E-R, Douglas A. McIntyre, and Charles, Charles B. Stockdale. Again, I give you the article verbatim without any changes. What makes the article most useful to you is what it leaves out. However, I am not claiming the writers are sinning by omission. The explanation given for each event, that is recession, panic, or depression, is plausible and based on facts. The causes they cite are sufficient to produce the results, but they may not have been the actual causes, or at least not by themselves the actual causes. Again, I'm not changing I'm not charging deceit. The writers are simply spinning facts to produce a plausible explanation for what happened. They may be starting with premises that are the only ones they know based on their education and experience. Before I give you the list, let me start you out with some premises that have me seeing the events differently. My education about money does not come from having a degree in economics or history. I have no degree at all, but I do have education, and I have the experience of seeing my net worth decline 90% through no fault of my own other than being ignorant about how money really works in the hands of those not to be trusted. So before I give you the list, um, okay, 
Paul gives his premises for this list and his discussion of the list. And in his his discussion, he offers uh, alternative information and uh, fills uh, fills in uh, gaps. Okay, his premises are central banks are businesses that have no allegiance to the countries hosting them. Their first concern, their mission, is the growth of the worldwide banking system. To the countries hosting them? The Bank of Ireland, while it is not a central bank. Oh, oh, I see. I didn't, I didn't understand this. <clears throat> so again, start, starting with the premises. Central banks are businesses that have no allegiance to the countries hosting them. Their first concern, their mission, is the growth of worldwide central banking. So here Paul is questioning uh, something stated you know, that that's just stated. Uh, he's questioning, quote, to the countries hosting them. The Bank of Ireland, while it is not a central bank, is not a government entity. It is a business owned by its shareholders. The Central Bank of Ireland is a central bank, but as its name might suggest, it is not a government entity. It is a business owned by its shareholders. The name European Central Bank does not imply Irish government entity, but it is a central bank that exercises monetary and fiscal authority over Ireland. It is not a government entity. It is a business owned by its shareholders, a business that controls the government. The first priority of a central bank is to protect its ability to produce profits for its shareholders. While doing that, it normally is able to provide economic stability to its host nation. However, sometimes events in a nation or in the world conspire to force the bank to make a choice between what benefits the bank and what benefits the host nation. Focus on profit, the primary goal of the central bank, makes the right choice clear. Those who control the money supply can cause panics, recessions, and depressions. But why would they? They might, if doing so, advances the central bank mission. Look at the wars that have been and are being fought in the world. In most instances, a variety of uncontrollable and or accidental events snowball into the inevitable conclusion that is a war. But suppose the uncontrollable are being controlled and the accidents are not accidents. No matter what, somebody always makes money from war, before, during, and after. Would you be surprised if that somebody were the inner circle of people who received the largest profit shares 
from the world banking business? I wouldn't be surprised. And suppose a war also advanced the central banking mission. Would that be enough incentive to cause misery for tens of thousands of people? It might be enough incentive for some people. The drive of the worldwide banking inner circle in the 19th century was toward a U.S. economy modeled after that of Britain. The Bank of England controlled the economy of Britain. A major campaign front was making gold the basis of U.S. currency. A gold standard was the obvious rational course in the minds of people who knew nothing about economics and those like politicians who knew a little. But there were people who who knew more than just a little about economics who were not in favor of a gold currency standard because it would place the economy in the control of those who could control gold. Most businesses must grow in order to survive. A bank is no exception. The The central bank that began in Britain in 1694 has been growing steadily and with determination. The central bank concept had to fight about 200 years to take hold in America. America has been a sovereign country for only 237 years. The central bank concept is now fully established in the form of the United States Federal Reserve System. It is a bank. It is not a government entity. It is a business owned by its shareholders, a business that controls the government of the United States. The International Monetary Fund was born in 1944 in America, in Bretton Woods, New Hampshire. The headquarters for the operation is in Washington, D.C. The IMF, the International Monetary Fund, functions as a kind of board of directors for the worldwide network of central banks. Determination has paid off. So this is the end of Paul's premises. Let's see how we're we doing in time. Well, we'll continue. <clears throat> okay, what follows now is, as the text goes, here is the quote-unquote conventional wisdom article verbatim. Again, it seems accurate as far as it goes. And then so we, then we have the list of uh, the 13 most significant economic heaval, uh, upheavals. All right, so what I'm going to do is simply name them and not explain them. And um, we'll save... We, we, we'll, we'll save the actual uh, detailing of them for next week and then juxtapose them with, uh, you know, with, with Paul's uh, alternative uh, uh, understanding of, of, of events. So um, we have, okay, the 13 most significant economic upheaval events uh, First of all, there's the panic 
1797. Then there's a depression. That's 1807. And another depression, 1815 to 1821. There's a panic, the, uh, the panic of 1837. Another panic, the panic of 1857. Another panic, the panic of 1873. Another panic, the panic of 1893. Then the panic of 1907. Then we have the depression of 1920-21. And then the Great Depression. 1929. Then we have a recession, 1973 through 1975. We have a depression, a recession in the early 1980s. And he's talking about the, the current recession. So again, this is being written in around 2010. And then we have his, his, his own comments. So we won't, we, we will detail this next week. Um, so my purpose here is not to suggest any changes to our, the work to the world economic system or anything like that, or or any great social movements, um, you know, egalitarian movements, for example, um, um, my, my purpose here is to motivate um, listeners to consider becoming wealthy, um, to um, reflect on the fact that I and probably all of my listeners, I'm certain, are poor people. Many of us are thinking, well, eh, I'm okay. When in fact, we're not okay. We're poor. And we need to be wealthy because we can we 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 can become wealthy we we just have to work at it okay um and, and we need to become wealthy because the world economic system produces very rich and poor, the group to which most of us belong, and people who are very poor, wretchedly poor, who have nothing, have, have, have no ability to do anything about their situation. Okay. 
They need help. We poor are the ones to render that help. We just need to become rich, unpoor. We, we need to have the means by which to, uh, uh, with which to be charitable. Um, and we need to work as a team so that um, we, we can develop our ideas, make an impact with our wealth and our understanding of money and our compassion that grows as we develop you know, an, an understanding of how poor we are and, 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 and an understanding of, of, of how to uh, relieve, uh, relieve ourselves of our despair. We can do it. There are many people who cannot, okay? So my strategy is a a cash cow, okay, which is the uh, Amway uh, Global IBO business, a cash cow um, that, that gives 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 all of us um, gives a, gives us gives us hope um, and and um, give, gives gives us a disposable income uh, that grows, uh, that um, gives us income with which to invest. Now, the cash cow, the Amway Global IBO business, is a wealth builder in and of itself. All of us individually can become wealthy as uh, Amway Global uh, IBOs, okay? But we don't want to have to wait that long. It, 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 it takes a while. It, it, you know, it takes uh, a few years uh, to become wealthy with that business. Um, but while we're waiting to become wealthy, we do we do have more. We will have more money, and and then what we need to do is put that money together, uh, invest together. Um, so that's that. That's it in a nutshell. That's that's what that's what we're talking about as far as um, uh, developing, generating the wealth that will make the changes that are needed. I mean, one the 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 primary change, of course, is relieving misery, but also something else will happen. I, I, I believe. Um, another thing that will happen is that our effort, uh, those of us who uh, leave poverty, that effort will be leave poverty and become wealthy. That 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 effort will be observed by those who already have more money uh, than they know what to do with. So I, so I see us partnering 
with many of those people. Uh, and in that way, um, you know, really eradicating poverty you know, in this country worldwide. And when you, and when you eradicate poverty, you, 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 you eradicate lots of uh, illnesses, mental, emotional, uh, physical illnesses. Another part of this besides the wealth building, an important part of this is the um, methods uh, by, by which um, misery in particular pockets can be addressed. And uh, here I'm talking about grants, the money that is available um, even even though we have this very oppressive uh, economic system, it is an oppre- it, it is oppressive. Okay, um, we do have money available to us from our government um, that can be used to with to to fund projects that help people. I'm I'm talking about federal funds, federal grant funds. So we have to go after those and uh, apply them strategically, apply them uh, as a team, apply them synergistically, uh, apply them without seeking self-aggrandizement, without being poverty pimps. We don't need to do that. We'll, we'll, we are, while we're doing that work with federal grants and uh, foundation grants and block grants, while we're doing that work, um, our own wealth is, is, is happening um, unseen because we're talking about, number one, the IBO, the Amway Global IBO uh, business, which produces casual income that grows, residual income that grows. Okay. So, you know, with that, we're not talking about trading hours for dollars. We're talking about taking back our hours, taking back our time and using that time to help others. So we, there, so we, we have that. And we're talking about investments, okay? Uh, investing as a group so that um, uh, our investments are sig- significant uh, for, for uh the growth of the enterprise um, in, into which we are, uh, in which we're investing, okay? Um, you, you, you know, you, you get what you give. Uh, you, you put in a, a large, you know, a large investment uh, that um, enables the enterprise 
to be what it's set out to be, um, to realize its, its earning potential, and therefore your return on your investment is, is enhanced uh, thereby. Um, so again, when we're talking about investing, again, we're, we're talking about uh, casual income. We're not trading hours for dollars. And in some cases, depending on the, the investment, we, would be, we could be talking about residual income also. Um, uh, uh, commission overrides and, and that kind of thing. It depends on, on, on what we're talking about. But residual income really is a, a, a facet of the uh, Amway Global IBO business, okay? Um, commission overrides and bonuses and, and, and that kind of thing. That's very much a facet of that business. But in both cases, we're talking about freeing up time and, and freeing ourselves from the temptation uh, to uh, uh, temptation of uh, being poverty pimps, you know, as we secure grants to implement projects to that um, uh, programs, projects that uh, deliver resources uh, and compassion and healing to people in this country who cannot do what we poor can do and don't do. So we want to change that. We want to do what we can do so that we can help those who are not able to do uh, what we can do. It's not just a matter of, you know, they're not having the, uh, uh, not, not being willing to, you know, apply the time and, 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 and energy. That's our problem. That, that's our problem. We're stingy with our time. We're niggardly with our time. So we want to change that. All right. So, uh, so um, yeah, so we're not looking to be disruptive, okay? Um, we, we're identifying people who have gone low. We're looking to go high. So with, with that, uh, I'll stop and we'll, we'll go uh, next week. In, in part four, we'll, we'll discuss in detail these these uh, 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 events, the the, the worst um, uh, economic events in in American history, in the history of America, and uh, and present some um, some some alternate uh, uh, views, you know, of those events. All right. So thank you for your time and uh, your forbearance, and if. Um, uh, if you if you, you have feedback, uh, go, please go to the website, uh, 607-206-9720.com, 607-206-9720.com. Once more, 607-206-9720.com. Feedback, you, uh, you can... Uh, you can shop there also. You, you, you'll see links to my uh, 
my Amway Global uh, uh, shopping shopping site. All right. So thank you. Um, shalom. Salam. So long.